0: everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the coaching call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in
1: coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. Hello, hello, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
0: I am wonderful, and thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So where are we talking from?
0: Well, currently I am in Burke, Virginia, which is where I have my beautiful studio. But you see the background of Hawaii because that's where I traveled to, love to, and just got back from. So Mm -hmm. I'm still partially there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So you're a transformational coach, if you will, right? Right. So one of the things that you, as a, you know, you have a PhD and also you, you're considered a possibility coach. I definitely want to touch upon all those as a great concepts and ideas and so many people definitely need what you have to offer.
0: Well, wonderful. You know, the possibility coach, I smiled because, uh, You know, to be completely open book, and that's the only way this cookie crumbles. So, you know, Mm. whether you want it or not, here it comes. Um, I hired a branding team because they said, Look, you have a pretty great presence. We need to, you have to have a title, whatever, whatever. I said, Okay. And they said, What kind of coaching do you do? And, you know, what do you want to be branded as? So Mm. I actually emailed my clients and I said, Hey, guys, because up till then, this is about two years ago, 100% of my You know, career was built by referral, not one cold call, not one promo, nothing, 20 years of referral. And so I emailed him and I said, Hey guys, when you talk to other people, what do you tell people that I do? How do you refer me out? (laughs) (laughs) And it was humbling and miraculous for me because what started coming back was, in a nutshell, I didn't think it was possible for me to get out of debt, to be happily Mm. married, to, you know, recover from cancer. And now, This is my life. And I sat there, you know, as I cried and I said, well, this is it. I'm Possibility Coach. We branded it. And then I connected the dots that in metaphysics, metaphysics is the science of infinite possibilities. Mm. So it kind of converged with that.
1: I love it. I love it. And, you know, the, 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 the idea of actually having your clients help you with that, that's huge.
0: It was. It was a gift. I and I get tender thinking about it. I just because you know it doesn't matter how quote unquote any one of us either is or appears to be successful. Mm-hmm. We have moments of saying, "Does it? What does it matter? Does it matter mm-hmm. what I do? Does it really matter?" And I find that it is during those moments that a client or a friend will reach out and just tag you and say, "Yeah, thanks for being there."
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's pretty incredible when someone recognizes you in a way that you maybe don't even recognize yourself, right?
2: Nope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so l- let's get back to little Victoria. Yeah. What I mean by that is your childhood. Tell me about your childhood. How old were you when you really started knowing your knack? For working or even helping people,
0: you know, just uh, it's a great, great uh, question the way you frame it because I do believe that what I call divine timing, or you know, you mm. can call it our passion or calling in life, is more visible through us when we're little and mm-hmm. before we lose it than to discover it. And so I, I love that you're taking us back to childhood. And the way I want to share it is in the frame of possibilities, so that the story anchors in what I believe is a path of opening one's possibilities. Mm. You know, I um, for all of us, we first are unaware that something is possible. You can't achieve something you were not even aware was there. So I call it unaware possibility. And then it comes into our awareness mm. and we say, oh, I see it's possible, but for somebody else. And then it's a long process of if it's possible for somebody else, it's possible for me. And this is where a lot of mindset stops. But then the skill set kicks in and says, how do I make this possible, probable for me? And then peaceful, purposeful, and profitable. And so for me, you know, I was unaware. (laughs) So when I I tell the story of childhood, it'll be like, oh, great insights. No, I was just like any other kid, but I was a kid with incredible – Psychic abilities, you know, I don't know a better word, intuitive abilities in mm-hmm. a country that disallowed for any kind of energy or spirituality or even religion at that time. I was born in the Soviet Union. I'm Ukrainian. So I was born in Ukraine when I was a part of the Soviet Union. And um, very early on, there were three tendencies. I loved to teach, I would sit my stuffed animals.
2: <laughs> and
0: I what I taught them, I taught them something. Uh, and I dreamed of traveling you know I was very little when we flew for the first time on the plane and I was so mesmerized by the fact that I'm in the air that I Mm. knew I wanted to teach and I so I thought I wanted to be a teacher or a flight attendant and Mm. I find myself now having been to 40 plus countries a, a coach that travels and trains so not that far off
1: no. <laughs> you're, you're your own uh, flight attendant, if you will, right?
2: Right. I love that. <laughs> yeah.
1: You decide yeah. on the destination, not, not the uh, airlines, right? That's right. <laughs> so who would you say was a big influence for you growing up?
2: My
0: mom and dad, by mm. far. Uh, you know, to give a framework for... And the country, honestly, you know, the what and the who. When you're born into a country that disallows freedom of choice, Mm. you're given a phenomenal gift. Why? Because you understand that the one freedom nobody can strip you from is your internal world. And yes, I don't get to choose which classes to take or even who to vote for, because I have one name and two boxes, yes or no. And if I say no, (laughs) I probably will go to prison, you know. (laughs) But but internally internally i can choose to be anywhere you know this is Mm. this was equipping me for what i do right now because i know that when you free yourself out of internal prison Mm. the walls of the external reality will crumble so i would say the environment and two parents who lived it um the two stories that come to mind is you know My dad, and they will be aligned. My dad was an editor in chief for one of the regional newspapers. The joke in the Soviet Union that there were two newspapers. They had to be governmental, no private, no no Mm -hmm. private anything, right? We need to review that. And so there are two main newspapers. One is called Truth, you know, which is Pravda, and one is called News, which is Izvestia. And the joke internally was truth had no news and news had no truth you know so they covered (laughs) it beautifully that way and um my dad was one of the editor-in-chief for the state uh you know for the regional newspaper Mm -hmm. and when in april 1986 chernobyl happened you know which is considered today to be one of the two maximum uh nuclear disasters Mm -hmm. maximum level nuclear disasters in, in in the written history He was asked to fly to Chernobyl and report that all was well. So three Mm. days after the explosion, my dad was in Chernobyl. And coming home, he was puking all over. He had minor radiation poisoning and all was not well. Mm. And so he refused to report it, right? He couldn't change anything, but he refused to report it. And we went from a family with a very recognizable social status to comes in my mom a family where my mom and I shared one pair of boots over one winter oh she would i would go to school and then she'd go to work you know she would walk me to school i'd change into the smaller shoes and she'd take them and go to work and those two people taught me two things nothing nothing in this world is worth you losing that internal freedom
2: mm. you know
0: you just stay true to who you are and that you can be abundant that it's not about material stuff because sharing that for just a short month and a half was the most luxurious experience I had because my mom said, you know, you're a special girl. You get to wear grown-up shoes to school. You don't need to make other girls jealous. You don't need to share that. And so unknowingly, she taught me the mindset of abundance. Um, And so the greatest miracle in my life was when I was standing a year and a half ago at the gorgeous deck of my beach front property, a girl who grew up in the village with my grandma in the summer with a outhouse with no indoor plumbing, mm. standing mm. in the beach house and watching mom and dad holding hands, walking in front of the house, standing there and saying, if it was possible for me, I believe what I do, it's possible for anyone.
1: Wow, There's a beautiful story of just seeing your parents holding hands, walking on the beach. Wow. That had to bring so much joy to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so at what point did you guys leave and and find your true freedom?
0: Yeah. I um I was about 16 when I graduated from high school and uh my friend I had a friend whose mom married an American a few years back and she stayed with us. She was almost like sister to me living, you know, with mm. us for a couple of years on and off, you know, between her dad and us. And when her mom immigrated and brought her over, she had such a big culture shock that she wasn't adjusting or adapting very well. So her mom called and said, you know, if you fly out and help her transition, I will help you go, you know, take some classes at, it was in Santa Barbara, in Santa Barbara College. And so I came to to the U.S. when I was about 17 at that point and lived in the U.S. for half a year, um, polished my English, already spoke really good English, but kind of, you know, polished it up and went back to Ukraine and went to Kiev Mahila Academy, which was, One of the earliest European schools, it was 750 years old, but it was closed Mm -hmm. down for the 70 years of the Soviet regime. (laughs) So it reopened. Um, And then in most of our professors were from all over the world from the best schools, the education was done in in English was excellent education. And that's where in my constitutional law class, I met my husband to be who also was my client. (laughs) So after two years <laughs> of convincing myself that <laughs> he is not the one, I am now twenty eight years, twenty eight years, twenty nine years together, twenty seven years married to him. So, mm. so he brought me to the US, and then a um, few years later, I've sponsored my parents and my brother to come as well.
1: Nice, nice. So you sponsored your your the rest of your family, huh? Yep, That's yep, beautiful.
0: Because, <laughs> yeah.
1: So you went there for for 6 months and then you went back.
0: Of course. Right? Yeah, of course.
1: So you said I, you that's where you met your husband and then he brought you. Right? Well, yeah, following I'm following. With, to, uh, I'm following with two
0: year delay. <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> um my, our joke is that I had the most uh, non-romantic proposal because it said, sweetheart, it is so much cheaper for me to marry you than it is to come, to keep coming and seeing you every month. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, there it is. <laughs> nice, nice.
1: So you, you understood the freedom that you can have, even though you really didn't have freedoms, not mm-hmm. outwardly, but inwardly.
0: Absolutely. And that's,
1: you know, so many people are trapped in their own heads, aren't they? That I, they don't know, they don't know how to handle even the freedoms that we have. I'm talking about people here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. who have the freedom, but yet they're trapped.
2: Yeah.
1: And you were trapped physically in a way, and you didn't have the freedoms, but you were free, freer than most people here.
0: You know, it gives me chills when you say that somehow. Um, I will butcher the quote completely, but the concept will carry through. You know, Nelson uh, Nelson Mandela used to say that I found my true freedom while in prison. Mm. Uh, You know, and I can completely relate to that because the true freedom lies within. And when we step into it, when we claim it fully, it cannot be any other way, but that the reality will reflect it back. You know, good old Einstein said, when when you match the frequency of the reality that you want... You must have that reality. This is not philosophy. This is physics, right? And that's, mm-hmm. of course, quantum physics. And me- um, metaphysics truly is the study of quantum physics and spirituality and how the two of them converge. And we realize that we can call the same thing two different terms based on our upbringing. You can call it God, you can call it energy source, you know, but the truth is they describe the reality of first finding freedom within, and then rejoicing in it, it's a big bridge. You know, Mm. once, once you understand what you think can be controlled only by you, what you feel can be processed only by you, once you truly claim that, first the reality outside becomes irrelevant to a much greater degree, you become more courageous, and then miracles unfold, right? You have manifestmiracles.me. Miracle unfolds because the outer reality starts matching your inner reality.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that is your website also, manifestmiracles.me. I, I love, I, I love when, when I'm hearing you talk, and when you understand. And you're helping people understand their their realities, their possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I also, I, lo- I love the possibility coach because it is that which we all have. We, we have only that which we put out in our own way. And we, we, we basically build roadblocks, mental roadblocks, mm-hmm. don't we?
0: Yeah, you know, I. I think the best example I can use is, um, you know, when you when you were all teenagers, <laughs> with all the mm-hmm. insecurities that might have come with that age. You know, if you're a teenager and you have a zit on your face, okay, you come to the mirror and you see it. None of us would think to reach into the mirror, and put neosporin and whatever it is we were putting on right. on the reflection in the mirror. None of us, like, that's crazy. Who does that? Well, that's what we do in our life because what is outside of us is a reflection of how we perceive the world. Mm. It's a reflection. And that reflection shows back to us anything that needs to clear from within. It's a gorgeous process. It's a process that can make us defensive because we can say, I didn't create that. I didn't create the Soviet Union. I was born into it. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I here now participated in it through my genetics, Mm -hmm. through my, you know, we're more than just this physical being. We're Mm. this physical being that is coded by our genetics that carries certain programs. You might Mm. have never met your great-grandfather, but you scratch your ear like he did, and you have the same (laughs) beliefs about (laughs) money like he did. Mm. So all of a sudden, the biggest money problem that I see as a belief for people is that I might have it all and then it's gone. Mm. Because for all of us, generation after generation, people would reach success and then they would lose it or the government would take it away. And so a lot of us then default to, why would I have all the money? Because I'm going to lose it anyway and we stay at bare survival. Or some of us do the roller coaster. I have it all. I have nothing. Yeah. I have
1: it all, and
0: so those are the two types of living the same program.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of screaming when you're on a roller coaster, isn't there?
0: <laughs> yes, it's true. I love that. Some must pass out. I mean, that's the life.
1: Yeah, I, I love the the um, the concept that you brought up of um, a teenager having a zit, because what, and I like the way you 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 made it seem like we're not going to put the medicine on the mirror. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I, I see that I also saw when you were talking about that is that the zit to a teenager is the biggest problem. Meanwhile, no one else sees it as a problem. It's just a zit, right? So why do we act like teenagers when we're adults? And that little zit which is nobody else sees, but we see. It's the biggest, it's, it covers our whole face, if you will, mm-hmm. right? It is that huge problem that we create out of nothing. So it's it's that old saying, right? You, you create a mountain out of mole, a, 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 a mole, right? And it's us. We create the challenges. When a challenge is presented outside of us, it's how do we handle it? Mm-hmm. What do we do with the information? Do mm-hmm. we internalize it? Or do we, anal- or do we analyze it? And then how do we handle it? Do we do we make it, for example, if you have a problem, do I make it mine too? Mm.
2: Right.
0: You know, the, I love that uh, question because there are two answers to it. And I think it's time that all of us need to understand there is more than one answer to everything. Mm. That is the uh, answer because we exist at different levels. There is, you know, when you look at manifestmiracles.me, M is little, E is big, because every time I say me, I'm reminded that there is mortal me, which is mortal matter that Mm. manifests materially, and there is eternal me, which is eternal energy, and the essence that expands, and I'm both. Mm -hmm. And so there is an answer that our mortal matter will want to have, and there is an answer that our eternal energy will want to have. Both are equally important for this reality. I see the world being torn between the two right now, where Mm -hmm. part of us says, well, we are not this physical, we are, I'm like, sorry, Uh, here, I pinch, it hurts. There is a level of reality (laughs) at which I am very present, and I've Mm -hmm. got to love my matter, because that's how I matter. Mm. Isn't that amazing that it's the same word in English? I love English. Yes. I matter when I love my matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, okay, that's, there's no other way. I love this body. I've been given it for a reason. Either mm. by God, greater world designer, by source. Or if you're into Big Bang, fine. However oh. you refor, refer to the origin of all life, right. I was not the one that originated it. I'm aware of it. So <laughs> the two answers to that is of that fantastic question is, what do I do with the reality outside? There is an answer from a very practical mortal matter daily practice. And that is the questions that you ask. Because when you ask a question, your subconscious mind cannot help but answer it. It's its job. The concept ask and you shall receive is not sending a list of things into the outer space with a delivery address i wish it wasn't actually i don't because we wouldn't be growing so mm. but what it is is the question that you ask the universe must answer i'll demonstrate what color are you thinking about right. none of us were thinking oh, out none of us were thinking about the color <laughs> we cannot not answer we cannot not yeah, answer. you have to <laughs> you have to this is how we're wired yes. and so the first step is changing your answers and understanding that you control your reality through the questions you ask so if Mm -hmm. you ask what is wrong with me your mind Mm -hmm. will answer it it has no choice so when stuff when things are happening in your life and life will happen to all of us you know when when hard things are happening when the mirror is reflecting a lot of dark spots okay dark mirror when we go through that a lot of us will ask much longer can it go on why is this happening to me? We're asking the wrong question. So when you find yourself in the middle of reflection of your life, that is horrific. You ask one question, how can I make this better?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: What is the one thing I can do today to make this better? That's your one question to get out. Now, the second part is for a lot of us, When we have the breakthrough, when things are going well, all of a sudden, our subconscious mind is trained to ask, well, I wonder when this will end. I wonder what can go wrong now because, you know, (laughs) for sure this cannot last. And I say at that point, it's our responsibility to ask a question, how much better can it get? And -hmm. it's not just for me. It's through me. How much better can it get through me that there is not one hungry child on this planet left? That's how much better it can get. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: You know, it's uh, it's very interesting that you say that because I ask that question, exact question, every night. So I I do I go through my gratitude at night as I do it in the morning, and one of the things I'm grateful for, the little things, the fact that I'm able to move, the fact that I, I can walk, that I can move my arms, the fact that I'm breathing, I'm healthy, um, of my family, I'm grateful for everything. And then I always ask, how can tomorrow be better? What lessons can I learn while I'm sleeping? Because we have this crazy mind of ours that can give us the answers. So I'm always asking, uh, and I you know, I am I, I do believe in God, so I do pray and I ask God to please enlighten me while I sleep, not let my sleep be a waste, right? So for me, it's always trying to to go that extra mile if you will because if my life has a purpose then i'm asking him to guide me in that direction and to make me better so i can serve my purpose
0: mm. you know and if we're talking about purpose and i think um Man, it's just, uh, it's a deep, gorgeous concept. But what I've come to realize for me and, uh, yeah, first and foremost for me and then seeing it, you know, honestly in hundreds and thousands of clients is that um, sometimes people are frustrated because they are asking, you know, what is my purpose? They're looking for greater calling or they confuse the profession with the purpose. So I love how you describe it. And the way I empower people with that is, you know, when you look at peace, purpose, and prosperity, they're sequential. Mm -hmm. And to me, peace is very simple. Peace is inner awareness of God's love. That's it. That's it. You know, my dad was not um, religious. What happened... It's a really, really great story. It's coming through so powerfully, so I'll share it. Um, because he stood for what he believed in 1986 in April, when the Iron Curtain fell, uh, a group of journalists from the former Soviet Union was invited to come to the U.S. for the exchange. As a mm. result of that exchange, he was one of that, those small group. As a result of that exchange, he came home and he opened the first independent newspaper in oh, Ukraine, wow. when Ukraine became independent. He, you know, freedom of press, freedom of, you know, mm-hmm. he was so fascinated. And I was I was a teenager, but I set my dad down, and, and I'm sorry, because I'll get emotional, because the feeling is so strong for me, but I set him down and I said, you had this incredible opportunity to go to this free land, right? You yeah. came back. What was the most poignant point for you? What was the most important thing? One thing. And he thought for a while, and then he said, you know, here in the Soviet Union, we have so many memorials to the fallen soldiers of World War II. Mm-hmm. And when you and we have these huge tombs of the unknown soldiers. And when you go to these, you know, places where they're honored, it says, Here lie the unknown soldiers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he said, You know, when I went to the Arlington Cemetery, I stood there, and he didn't speak English, but I stood there as an interpreter told us what was. Written on the stone, and it said, Here lie those whose names are known only to God. Oh wow. And he said, He said, That's the difference in mentality. In mm-hmm. a totalitarian, in a tyrannic society, you're not known. You're dispensable, you're disposable. But in a free society, you're known even if only to your creator. Uh, And when you feel known, truly known, you will feel understood and you will feel loved. And when you feel loved by your creator, you will obtain peace. Out of that peace, when you ask for one daily service, your purpose will find you. When you serve and love others daily from a place of peace, your purpose finds you and becomes apparent looking back. And more importantly, if you follow it daily, prosperity becomes a natural result. Lasting prosperity is a result of peacefully living your purpose. Big money comes and goes, but lasting prosperity is the result of that.
1: Never goes away. Lasting yeah. prosperity, it, it is forever. If you live, if you live with the purpose of of the higher being, right? Um, yeah. We we are all here for a reason. We we have a purpose. You and I both. And I am so happy that you you decided to to come on my show and and share so much knowledge and wisdom. You know, one of the things that you talked about earlier, you said how you love the English language, and. I can only assess that you and I both do and there's one reason for it. We're both foreigners. <laughs> I'm Colombian. I was oh, not how,
2: wonderful. how wonderful. I was not born
1: in the U.S. <laughs> and when I came to the U.S., I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a, a lick of English. Not one word. And I was put into a school where no one, the teachers, no one spoke Spanish. So can you imagine the ridicule I went through, the challenges I went through and to find people who actually took time to try to teach this kid who didn't know the language, to try to make him understand. So all those teachers who, who stood out for me, I don't recall their names, but I, they were all my heroes, if you will, because mm-hmm. I'm able to speak English now because of them, because they didn't give up and say, you know what? They did put me, instead of second grade or third, they put me in, in first grade. So I got I got pushed back. But that didn't stop me, it didn't give me a quitting sense. It just said, you know, I have to endure. And then I have to learn to understand this foreign language, right? And when you can appreciate, and you said that the the words are so, and it, it could be confusing, right? For someone to learn the language because you can say seal, right? Like sealed with a kiss. But the word seal can also be an animal in the ocean, right? A seal, right? Um, so it, it is very confusing when you try to interpret certain things if the words are not followed by, I, I guess, by other words that make sense of it, right? And so the meaning sometimes could be lost. In translation, for example, when we try to say something in English to Spanish, sometimes it's not the same thing. It's also like if you think about a joke, right? A joke can be very funny in English. And then you try to say it in a different language and it is lost or it is maybe taken the wrong way. So I too love the English language because it it does help us communicate, I guess, differently, right?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, every language... You know, when you speak to, you understand your, you both cannot convey the exact meaning from one to the other. But uh, also, you know, when you speak six, all of a sudden you're all excited because you understand, mm-hmm. oh, wow, there are six ways I can describe an apple, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> and then you understand that this whole life is all about perception, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the about uh, when it's just a couple of days ago, a couple days ago, I finally, it was important for me that I, report, that I recorded in Hawaii. I recorded a completely free masterclass of mm. putting things together of everything that I teach. And the unique thing on, on manifesting, that is the unique thing that comes in here is that a lot of the quote unquote manifestation programs or creation programs or the law of attraction programs start with, imagine this imagine Mm. this imagine this and you know i've broken it down to that just as we have five physical senses that help us perceive physical reality we have six mental faculties Mm. you know i had an opportunity to be coached for a very short period of time by bob proctor and bob proctor talked of six mental faculties it was a new concept for me they don't teach it in school they should but they don't And those six mental faculties are the one that cr- ones that create our reality. And then I said, well, wait a minute. For years, I've been taught to train on mindset. And going back to the level English language, it could be interpreted as a set mind. You set it,
1: uh-huh. <laughs> and it is set. And
0: it's the worst thing you can have, <laughs> you know, the set mindset. So I said, oh, wait a minute. It's not set in stone. It is set mm. of something. And I was able to bridge and say, oh, my gosh, our mindset is Mm. the set of six mental faculties. When those mental faculties are aligned and harmonized, we create a life of reality. When they're in conflict, that mirror reflects back conflict. And so the first one, and so the six are perception, imagination, intuition, reason, Memory and will as free will. So the first one, the way I've aligned them up, right, is perception. Because Mm -hmm. how you perceive the world will wire your brain to how you can imagine your world. Perceiving Mm -hmm. is receiving. Imagining is sending out. And so when you talk that every night before you go to bed, you go through gratitude you're tuning your powerful brain your, and your subconscious mind both to have perceived the world as reality, which then allows for you to receive intuitively the guidance from God, and you can imagine it back into the reality. So it's a harmonized flow. So it's mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's just a beautiful realization to understand that that perception is probably to me. Not only the first, but also the most important world a step of creating the world of your choosing. Of manifesting the world as you would like to have it manifested.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt. So, manifesting our world. So, can we create our destiny? Can we create our future?
0: I think... The answer is yes and no.
1: <laughs> I think we
0: I think we can create the perception of mm. the future that will change the experience of the future, and as such, yes. I also think that things will unfold in the best and highest way for us, and we have a choice to understand that they are best for us.
2: hmm
0: Or fight them, you know, Seneca, great great Greek philosopher said, willing, destiny guides them, unwilling, destiny drags them. And so it's a very beautiful dance, and it's a dance of that little M and big E. Yes, to a great control, to a great level, you completely control all of your input. And then there's a trust factor of allowing for the output. So I always say God, this is something better. (laughs) And, you know, because this is limited by my perception. And Mm -hmm. I would love to have this or something better. So, yes, you can create your reality, but not in a way of controlling the universe, but aligning yourself with the best and highest opportunity for you.
1: Yeah. yeah. I I truly believe that my actions today will reflect my tomorrows. For, For example, whatever whether I did something good or I did something bad, it's going to come back at me. Right. So I might as well do more good than bad so that I, I can have a better tomorrow because you know, whatever actions, if I want to live, which I do, I want to, by the way, I want to invite you to my hundredth birthday party. Um,
0: Oh yeah. I RSVP. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Good. Um, And it's nowhere near by the way. But the thing is, if my intention is to live a long life, right? My great, great, great grandfather lived to be 113. He had all his senses about him. He was physically capable and movable, uh, moving as a, as a human. But if I don't take care of me, I'll never get there. I won't get there to celebrate that hundredth. Listen, listen. I can die by other causes, but not because of my actions, right? Mm -hmm. So if I eat healthy, if I work out every day, if I do movement, if I take care of me, then my chances have increased because of my actions. So I do plan on living longer than my great-grandfather. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I love want it, 120. To. I'm going 125 <laughs> or more. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. But here's the thing. I don't want to live later in my years attached to tubes or anything in a hospital. So that's why my actions will allow me to live a healthier life. I don't take any medication. I really never have. So mm-hmm. the only time I did have no choice is when I, I had polio as a kid and I, couldn't, I lost the ability to walk. So it wasn't my choice to have polio. It was just that I never t- I never got the vaccine. When the doctor came to the house, I, I ran, I ran and, and I hid because back in the days, that's when they used to come to the house. And because I'm one of... 12, right? So the doctor probably thought he got all the kids, but he didn't get me because I was hiding, because I was afraid of the needle. And Mm -hmm. so later on I got I got polio, but I fought through that. And now I value my legs so much that every day I make sure I'm moving because I never want to go through that again or lose the ability to use my legs. So it's my actions that will help me. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I can help shape it, right?
0: Yeah. I love it. I think that um, we both agree that while we don't control in this life the quantity of years given, we can Mm -hmm. sure you know, control the quality of those right. years that are given to us. I think that a part of our eternal journey, I do believe that this soul of mine is an eternal on an eternal journey and it's visiting here on this plane
1: mm-hmm. for a purpose
0: that it knows and I'm discovering. And I believe that the moment of my birth and the moment of my death are the gift that I'm receiving both from God and from that eternal part of me and to make the best out of it. Um, and so while I don't necessarily, I've seen one too many times of where, you know, you look at people that are in their nineties and they're not living a healthy lifestyle and you're like no. a little pissed because <laughs> you're like eating green salad all day long, you know? <laughs> and so the point is, if you're angry about a healthy lifestyle, heal that. Mm. You're not, you're not, you know, life is to be thoroughly enjoyed and appreciated Because Mm. what you appreciate appreciates and grows. So the healing lies not in forcing yourself Mm. to have a healthy lifestyle, but in discovering that it's a luxury to have it. Mm-hmm. and and the joy that the results bring. And so I always uh, I tell my clients, it's not the ice cream that puts weight on your body as fast as the guilt you have about having that <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> you know, it's, so just, just um, slowly one glass of water added to your diet, one extra little step that you mm-hmm. take, as you learn to first be grateful for the life that you have, you will naturally start learning to appreciate it more. And as you Mm -hmm. appreciate it more, you know, because disciplines that are forced don't stick. They just don't stick. But, Disciplines that are appreciated expend us. So when you talk of your lifestyle, what I feel is this immense appreciation for saying, I've been given the second chance, I'm here. Right? And so I think for somebody who's listening and who's currently on their 27th diet and is feeling constrained and exhausted, I would say stop it. You have a permission to stop dieting, Mm -hmm. find yourself... Love yourself. And when you love yourself, you will want to give yourself that extra water. And you will want to feed him on her or her to support mm. that love in you. Right? Start there. Start there.
1: Yeah. You know, there is nothing wrong with ice cream um, once in a blue. But <laughs> no. if you're going to have it every day, then it, it's it's the habit, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, and when we think about the habits that, that make us, because we all have habits. And, you know, if you start to look at the habits that you do also, not only the habits, but the triggers that make a habit form, right? Mm -hmm. Because if all of a sudden you smell something like, oh, I have to go eat something, or you see something on TV, if you're watching TV, then you have to go, oh, I have to do that. Or you drive by somewhere and you go, oh, I got to stop in this fast food place. So it's a trigger that can create a habit. For example, if I have my friends who are every Friday go to the bar and I want to be with my friends. So where do I go? I go to the bar. And maybe I'm not a drinker, but I just go to socialize and all of a sudden, hey, have one. And then no, no, no. And then oh sure, you know, and then next week I go and then it happens and it happens. And now it becomes a, a habit. Now instead of me saying, no, 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 I'm the one buying the drinks for everybody else. And then I I went from a no, I'm okay to, yes, I'm facilitating this habit that slowly grew and I have no control of it. So for me, it's important to know what triggers us, me, Mm -hmm. personally, I asked myself, what shoe did I put on this morning? Okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to put on a different shoe first, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this before I do that. So that I'm always conscious of what am I doing? Is it a habit or is a habit controlling me? Because mm-hmm. who should be in control? It should be me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look at life um, in stages. Um and i think uh, the four stages of life and not life generally but for every area of our life mm-hmm. let's say health is one area relationships is another area business is another area friends is is third you know fourth area and so forth mm-hmm. when you look at your life in those areas i always invite you to look and say which state am i in in this life and what do i mean by that the first state is survival you might be thriving financially, but you're barely surviving in your marriage, right? So there is there, there are stages. The first one is survival. The second one is stability. You're making it. You're making it, but that's it. You're making it. Then there is success. You're contributing and living your purpose. And then there is significance. Your purpose now is to help others to get out of survival stability and success right so you're now that's significance to me significant is when you are living for others but not in a way survival comes through where you forget yourself so much that you'd rather not take care of your needs so you run around pretending that you're a savior to the world while you're broke. That's not, that's mm. not significance. That's, that's being blind to your duty to take care of you first, right? So mm. you look at that survival, stability, success and significance. And then what I see is the bridge between them. The bridge from survival to stability is the change of habits. And that is what you're describing. To get out of sheer survival to stability, you change your habits. To get out of stability to success is a change of mindset. And to get out of success to significance is a change of heart. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful. And when you look at different areas of your life, it's very important to know where you are in each area so you can move to the next level and know which needle to move. Because if you are, you know, in success, and you're still looking for habits, you're looking backwards. But if you're in survival, and you're reading books on mindset, that's all good and well. But like Sifu said, get out of bed. I mean, (laughs) you're reading in bed, and it's five in the afternoon. So, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe getting out of bed and having a habit of drinking a glass of water and doing 10 push push-ups. So, Mm. It's a gorgeous way to look at life and say, oh wow. If if my marriage isn't survival, counseling will help some. But what habit, what detrimental habit can I shift today that will change everything? Maybe I don't call my spouse names. I mean that that might be a bad habit, you know? (laughs) So it's primitive. It's primitive, but that's how that's how I think for us to assess where we are and to move to the next stage of development.
1: Mm. You you know, I I love the fact that you brought up relationship because that really defines a lot of people or they allow a relationship to define them. The the most important relationship, and you've talked about it already, is with ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And when we think about a relationship when it starts, we either are seeing clearly or we are seeing with a dirty lens because we're not seeing every detail. But then we have to give a relationship time for it to flourish so we can see the details. We can see if this is a relationship worth investing in because let's face it, everybody behaves the best on the first date right? Everybody is, you know, the, the guys are dressed nice, maybe uh, the girls are all made up and nice dresses. Depends, right? Depends who's dating who. But, or at least that's how I, when I was dating, that's that's how it was for me. Always, you know, be presentable. Um, don't don't talk about your exes or stuff like that, right? <laughs> but also, you know, ask the questions, I think that, you know, is this the person I, I want to, and you don't know, you know, from a first date, if this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, but ask the questions, if I was to spend the rest of my life with this person, could I? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. That's that's just my assessment of, of dating. For me, it's always been in the beginning, it was always the physical, visual attraction. But when you can close your eyes, and you can listen to the other person, I think that's where love really starts to, to dig in, because it's the words they use the way they treat you. To me, that's love. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought up relationships. I I, I want to know your 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 deeper thoughts on it, and I'm so happy we're having this conversation because you are bringing a level of depth that I love going into.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's neat. It's uh, the good old book, right? The love languages. I think mm-hmm. it's important to know your love language. The five love languages in that book are, um, if I remember, I'm correct. There's uh, words of affirmation, is what you're referring to, is how how we speak love. Then there's physical touch. Then there's quality time, acts of service, and gifts. Well, clearly, you know which one is the last for me. <laughs> I'm <up laughs> on gift. on um, And I got to tell you an example. You know, for my husband, naturally, he's wired for gifts and words of affirmation. Mm. So he likes to receive gifts, give gifts, and be told daily mm. that he is the bestest. <laughs> Not just the <laughs> best, right? I mean, for me, it was quality time and physical touch. So what happened when we first got married, he traveled a lot and then I started traveling. So he would travel and he would bring gifts to me and gifts meant nothing to me. So I'd be like, Oh, great. Something to sell on eBay. (laughs) Not hurting his feelings at all. I mean, you know, not at all. And then because I've told him I love him once, why would I keep saying it? I mean, it's a waste Mm -hmm. of energy because words of affirmation were not my language. right? Right. And for him, because quality time is not his language. He's gone while he tells me I love you and sends gifts, and I feel unloved Mm. because he's not there physically to hold my hand. So we both loved each other, but because we spoke different languages, we felt unloved. Uh So it's very important to know that if you feel unloved, it is not necessarily that you aren't. Mm-hmm. It is that you're not receiving it in the language you understand. Because if Sifu starts speaking Spanish and I speak Ukrainian and you don't understand the language and we tell you, you are, you know, right, <laughs> which is you are the best. You're like, what did she just say?
2: Right.
0: So we had to learn to speak each other's language. And it was awkward for me to put on a timer on my phone that three times a day, I'm going to text an encouragement to my husband. I'm I'm sure that was a challenge
1: at first, right?
0: Right. It was clinical. It was robotic. I'm like, this is so stupid, but I stuck to it. And you know what happened? I learned it and I became fluent in it. And now the joke is we're so fluent that we need all five all the time, you know. And so (laughs) it's gorgeous. I think we're wired with certain language, not that we insist on it and Mm -hmm. are limited by it, but that it's a starting point that we learn to give love and receive love in every single way. Mm -hmm. And so now intuitively, after just a few minutes of being around the person, I know what their love language is. So for Sifu, mm. it's acts of service and words of affirmation. So mm. if I wanted to show him that I love him, I'm going to go take his car and fill it with gas. He's going to cry for half a day. It's gorgeous. you know. <laughs> and so, but it's not natural, right? It's not mm. natural until you know. Right. So it's very important. And this is the habit, right? We talked about my marriage was in survival because we had poor habits of mm. communicating love. So mm-hmm. I had to learn new skills, and turn them into new habits. Reading more about mindset of love was not going to do anything for me (laughs) because I lacked habits. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you you know, I I think that the first part of of you guys realigning your habits for each other was communication, Mm -hmm. right? By the way, I'm a big hugger, so I I love to (laughs) hug. (laughs) There you
0: go. Air hug, <laughs> <laughs> air hug, air hug,
1: virtual hug. But here's here's the thing for me. It's I believe a relationship, and you talked about it, and and the fact that at first it, it seemed like ridiculous that you had to put it on your phone, but it became so natural for you after a while that you didn't have to have it on your phone. It was it became a a habit, a habit that benefited your marriage, right? So for me, I'm always looking at habits that make our lives better, that helps other people, not just only self, because that would only be self-serving. If you only create a habit that's only good for you, but hurts other people, that's a bad habit. So, <laughs> right? So- in a relationship i think that the most important thing is is the communication and if that is not part of what you're doing that relationship may not truly be what it's worth because mm-hmm. once you can communicate i think that that's a that's a habit that you may not have maybe you you don't like to talk you know you, you see people that one person in the, in the relationship speaks all the time and the other one just, they just nod mm-hmm. and they say nothing. And then you're like, you wonder, it's like, how do they get along? One only speaks, the other one doesn't speak at all. But there has to be some sort of communication. It can't just be physical. It can't just be one-sided also. So I'm sure that your husband had to adjust his habits as well in order for you guys to have that that relationship that is worth pursuing, right? Because I see so many people who are stuck in a relationship because they're in it because it's for the betterment of their children. Meanwhile, they're miserable. And in Mm -hmm. reality, the betterment of their children is if they separated, right? Or they got their act together. Because Mm -hmm. for me, it's that remembrance of, why did we get together in the first place? Can we can we go back to that day? Can we remember how beautiful you were, how beautiful I was to you? Can we do that? Because there, there's the beauty of why we even got together. And we've been together for however many years. So yeah. I Have think it.
0: the yeah, and I think the point of resentment for all of us is when we place our responsibility on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And when you are in a relationship that is dysfunctional and you say we're together for your children, you're burdening your children with the energy that is too heavy for them to bear the rest Mm -hmm. of their life. And then you're resenting the process, you're resenting yourself, you're resenting the other person and you resent the children. And so if you are staying in a relationship due to fear, which is the only reason we stay in a relationship that is harmful. Some of mm-hmm. us you know, are in an abusive relationship, and we're truly are terrified, and we've been taught to believe that there is nothing better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that became our belief. And so people stay stuck because of fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important to know that that, that you're not alone when you go through that. Um, that all of us are stuck due to a different level of fear at some level of our life, and there's always a bigger you know brighter faith point to overcome and The very first thing to do with fear is not to punish it, not just not to chastise it, but to say it's normal I'm afraid, and I'm going to love mm-hmm. myself through it it's a very powerful language.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You cannot fight fear. For a lot of us, we're not stronger than it is. It's the truth. And you can tell yourself, I'm stronger than it, but if you don't feel it, you're paralyzed.
1: (laughs) You have to feel it for sure.
0: So you've got to first say, this is normal. What I feel Mm -hmm. is normal. Nothing is wrong with me. Because Mm -hmm. you might hear, I'm not like them. It's easy for them. You know, they've broken through. So you say, it's normal. What I feel is normal. I'm terrified it's normal but I'm going to love myself and walk myself through it. Mm. You see that? And then you seek help. You oh, seek yeah. help. Yeah.
1: You know, we both spoke a little bit on religion and i I really don't get into the religious aspect, but if we think about going to the pearly gates, we go alone, don't we?
0: We go with God and angels. I don't believe we
2: go. Alone. No, no. I'm
1: saying that we get there alone. <laughs> right? (laughs) We're going to go meet God and the angels, but we approach that gate, if you will, right? Alone. We don't take our money with us. We don't take our finances, our material things. We don't even take our partner with us, right? We go alone. So when we show up, how do we show up?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? So for me, it's always... How do I want to show up anywhere that I go? I first, and you said it, you have to love yourself first. Mm-hmm. So that you can love and love deeply, right? But you have to love yourself. So it's that selfish aspect that for us we need to, we need to get into. I got to tell you, I'm having a, a blast talking to you. I'm so glad that you and I connected and I, I would love for you to join us in New York where we're having an event. It's uh, July 13th through the 16th. It's called Heroes Rising Apex, where I bring all these superheroes. And I think I see your cape flying over there. Um, <laughs> so definitely would love to have you join us in New York. And it's going to be an event where we have all these superheroes coming in. But here's the cool thing. We're also going to have heroes in waiting. And what that means is that every one of us is a hero waiting to rise up, to throw on that cape and do the right thing for ourselves and for humanity.
0: Mm. You know, the story that, um, yes, absolutely. If the dates are aligned, I will go every anywhere I can serve. That's my motto. If I can You're serve and I... Uh, but. You know, there's uh, the story that gets me out of bed every day uh, on days where maybe I'm lacking in, in enthusiasm and energy, what I lack mm-hmm. in pur- what I have in purpose. You know, the purpose is there, but enthusiasm and energy are not there. It's a story that gets me out of bed, the story that got me. And we talked about freedom. I want to talk about, I want to come back to it after this little story. Sure. But hopefully it, 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 hopefully it um, resonates with somebody very deeply. Um, and it's in 1400s. There is, um, and I tell people, if you've heard it, open your heart, because I'll tell it differently because it comes from my heart. And now Mm. heart-to-heart conversation hasn't happened yet. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) So so in 1400s, there is this sculptor in Italy. His name is Donatello. And Donatello is commissioned to carve a sculpture and is given a huge slab of marble. And he studies that marble for months and he finds that there are veins going through the marble and that marble is faulty. He says, I cannot carve from this faulty marble because it will not be per- permanent, it'll crack. Mm. And so he, he rejects that slab of marble completely. 50 years later, 5-0, my good Ukrainian accent, so 50 years <laughs> later, a different uh, sculptor, that we all know by name of Michelangelo out of that very marble carves the statue of David. Mm. That statue of David, 600 years plus still stands in Florence in open elements Had an immense privilege of seeing it. Mm. So when he's asked by his contemporaries, how could he possibly carve this magnificent sculpture out of faulty Veined marble, Michelangelo answers with an answer that inspires me daily. He said, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. Mm. You see that hero, (laughs) that hero that you're referring to? There is an angel within each one of us, Mm -hmm. a creation that God has intended for us and through us. Everything else is just marble. Whatever you're looking at your life right now in that mirror, it's just marble and you got to chip it away. You just got to chip it away.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And when we think about that there is an angel, there is a hero in each of us, right? Mm -hmm. But we're all in waiting and some of Mm -hmm. us are acting sooner than others, So I definitely see you acting and doing. And, you know, you've been referred to um, in the likes of uh, Richard Bronson, Brene Brown, and many others because of your creative ideas and your innovative thoughts. What do you say to that? How would you say, because you're unique in comparison to them, I think each one of us is unique. What would you say if somebody say, oh, you're just like so-and-so?
0: I would agree to a great extent and say absolutely. We are very similar in the fact that we're absolutely unique.
2: <laughs> so I, have,
0: I would say you're absolutely right. I am just like Sifu. We are absolutely uniquely crafted. So I guess you Mm. could say we're the same. I prefer to agree. (laughs) I prefer to find a point of agreement always. I Mm. believe that the peace of communication comes from the point of agreement. So of Mm -hmm. course we're the same. We're incredibly unique. Of course
2: we're the same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do me a favor. Just stay on for a minute or two. We're just going to say goodbye to everybody. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. What can I tell you? Victoria Rader, incredible. And she also has another website. It's why Check her out. She is going to show you the possibilities in your life. And you know, the fact that you shared so many different aspects, it's we talked about roller coasters, right? And we talked about the ups and downs in life. And it's it's celebrating every moment of your life. And I can see how you have helped so many people. And by the way, you helped me today. So thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. It was a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Bye-bye. You too.